At the midpoint of Lent, Orthodox Christians are reminded of the journey thereon, the way to the resurrection by way of the cross. As a part of this mid-Lent celebration, we sing a hymn about the cross which goes in part like this. Save, O Lord, your people, and bless your inheritance, granting victory to the faithful over the enemy. But if you know Greek and you've seen the original hymn, you know that this hymn is purposely mistranslated. There's something hidden. Today, we'll discover what this hymn actually says, and we'll learn a bit more about how the meaning of the cross was purposely flipped for early Christians. You're listening to The Way with Father Dustin Lyon, a podcast of the Ephesus School Network. Welcome back to The Way. I'm your host, Father Dustin. The reading is from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Let us be attentive. Jesus called the crowd to him with his disciples. If any of you want to come the way I'm going, he said, you must say no to yourselves. Pick up your cross and follow me. Yes, if you want to save your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life because of me and the message, you'll save it. After all, what use is it to win the world and lose your life? What can you give in exchange for your life? If you're ashamed of me and my words in this cheating and sinning generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of you when he comes in glory of his Father with the holy angels. I'm telling you the truth, he said. Some people standing here won't experience death before they see God's kingdom in power. Glory to you, O Lord. Glory to you. That reading was from Mark 8, verses 34 through 38, and Mark 9, verse 1. It's the reading for the Sunday of the Veneration of the Cross, which is the third Sunday of Great Lent for most Christians. The hymn for this feast is as follows. Save, O Lord, your people, and bless your inheritance, granting victory to the faithful over the enemy, and by your cross, protecting your commonwealth. This is the translation as it's used in the Greek archdiocese currently. But translations in other jurisdictions, whether it's OCA, Antiochian, Serbian, or otherwise, are all pretty close to this one. However, it's interesting to note that this hymn is never translated from the original Greek correctly. In other words, this hymn is purposely mistranslated. You see, this hymn was originally the national anthem of the Byzantine Empire. Or if you want to think of it another way, this was the fight song of the Byzantine military. Its political origins are still preserved in the original Greek. And yes, if the Orthodox Church sings this hymn in its original language, as many Greek churches do, we still sing the original version, which is Soson kyria ton laonsu, ke evlogison tin klirono mi ansu, nikas tis vasilevsi 
kata vavaron do rumenos, keton son filaton theatustavrusu politevma. Despite its always being purposely translated incorrectly to hide its political origins, I'm going to translate it properly for you now. It starts, Save, O Lord, you people, and bless your inheritance. So far, so good. But then it goes on, Granting victory to the king over the barbarians. Oh, well, that's different. And by your cross, protecting your government or government business. Commonwealth might work here, but I want to emphasize that the original refers especially to the political boundaries and administration of the Byzantine Empire. So, there it is, in its full Byzantine glory. As you can see, the English translation purposely takes the Byzantine origins out of it and spiritualizes it so that the victory of the king becomes victory of the faithful over their spiritual enemies. I find it ironic that the hymn for the cross was once the Byzantine national anthem. As you know, the Byzantines didn't call themselves Byzantine. That's what modern historians call them. They called themselves Romans, and Constantinople was called New Rome. So it's ironic that the Romans would use the hymn of the cross as their national anthem, because it was the Romans who crucified Christ. Crucifixion in the ancient Roman Empire was a nasty affair. In fact, it was so degrading that Romans would only crucify non-Romans. They wouldn't crucify their own. I don't need to describe the particulars of crucifixion. I'm sure everyone understands that the crucifixion was nailing someone to a wooden cross of some sort. What I do need to point out is what crucifixion meant in the ancient world. For us, as modern Americans, we think of crucifixion as a painful death, a capital punishment for a crime against the empire. The pain and suffering is what we usually emphasize. To prove this, I need go no further than Mel Gibson's The Passion of the Christ. This movie was an agonizing two hours of pain and suffering. However painful crucifixion was, and it was very painful, don't get me wrong, the emphasis in the ancient world and in scripture is the humiliation of crucifixion. Christ was probably crucified naked outside the city walls, and the emphasis is on the shame of crucifixion, the shame and humiliation it brought to the one crucified and also to his family. The Romans used the shame as a warning to those who might be thinking about rebellion against the empire. Just as signs in Texas say, don't mess with Texas, crucifixion was a don't mess with Rome sign. This is precisely why crucifixions took place outside the city walls. They lined the streets that led into the city so that everyone entering knew who was in charge and what would happen if you didn't pay your respect to Roman power. You also have to remember, at this time, Rome was not a beloved empire. For Galileans, Samaritans, and Judeans in the first century, Rome was an occupying force. The Galileans, Samaritans, and Judeans thought of themselves as an oppressed people, still in exile as they were in the days of Moses. 
It's just that the Egyptian pharaoh was now the Roman Caesar. And there were many people who thought the way to freedom was through an armed rebellion against Rome. Rome's response was crucifixion. Luckily, America doesn't crucify people as a warning against treason or rebellion. However, one scholar, James H. Cohn, that's C-O-N-E, wrote a book called The Cross and the Lynching Tree. I highly recommend you check it out. There, he posited that the lynching tree functioned the same way that crucifixion did. Lynchings, as you probably know, is a dark part of our American history. It was a time when white crowds gathered to hang and murder black people. The bodies of lynched victims hung in trees as a warning to African Americans to stay in their place in a segregated and unfair society. Cohn argues that if we can understand how the lynching tree functioned in American society, then we can begin to understand how the Romans used the cross. We can begin to understand how the Galileans, Samaritans, and Judeans would have felt seeing one of their own hanging on the cross. But for early Christians, something funny starts to happen. Instead of seeing the cross as a warning, instead of associating humiliation and shame with the cross, the early Christians started to see the cross as a sign of victory, an instrument of torture that was meant to keep people in their place, became the sign of their resistance against an unjust power. Instead of seeing the cross as a weapon that Caesar used against them, it's now an image they used against Caesar to say that Jesus is king, not Caesar. The early Christians inverted the meaning of the cross so that today we can embrace the cross and wear it around our necks as an image of comfort and hope. But this inversion that the early Christians did with the cross is what the gospel is all about. Let's hear part of it again. Jesus says, If you want to save your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life because of me and the message, you'll save it. After all, what use is it to win the world and to lose your life? What can you give in exchange for your life? If you're ashamed of me and my words in this cheating and sinning generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of you when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. You can see how the cross, once a way of putting people to death, is now the way to eternal life. And you can see the cross, which was once a means of shaming people into cooperation, is now a thing of pride. Christ's resurrection completely changes the image of the cross. So now, if you want to walk the way, you must embrace the cross. We must embrace the shame of our crucified Lord. We must embrace the cross as the way to life. Until next time, God bless.